You're listening to Tim Talks, Taking Interest in Ministry, a conversation between two great friends with over 70 years of ministry between them. Ministering on opposite sides of the border, Dr. Al Stone is the General Director of Bearing Precious Seed Canada and Pastor Emeritus of the Bible Baptist Church in St. Thomas, Ontario, Canada, while Pastor Dan Wolven pastors the North Columbus Baptist Church in Columbus, Ohio. Listen now as Al and Dan review and relate their experiences in hopes of helping others who are taking an interest in ministry. Now, here is Tim Talks. Welcome to Tim Talks, minus the slurp, because I'm in the nursery, because I'm in the nursing room, because I don't have a coffee, because all I have is a bottle of water. It's slurpless. But hey, to offset that, I've got the ticking man, Danny Covey. Danny, great to have you back. Thank you so much for having me on. This is awesome to be here again. Yeah, this is a great story and I think is going to be a great help to a lot of people. I, I know people right now that have contacted me and said, you know what, I have a terrible life. Things are hard. I can't make it. I want to quit. You know, maybe I want to end it all. When I hear that someone's had eight heart surgeries and it takes a year to get back to fully being yourself, basically losing eight years of your life, I don't have any problems. They don't have any problems. And the, the spirit that you've got and the, you know, the joy that you have in being able to serve the Lord is awesome. How much, how much of that comes from your parents and how they treated you and your kid? Did they, did they give extra special treatment? Did they try to treat you as normal as possible? How, how did that work? Because you've got, you got siblings. Yeah, um... I call my siblings the unwatered plants in the shadows. Mm. My, I grew up, unfortunately, in the limelight because I was in constant trauma, because I was facing death multiple times. And that 100% had effect on my family. To my parents, uh, you know, the regret. And they've acknowledged, look, we're sorry that, you know, you got more attention than the rest of the kids sometimes. But they've also been incredibly patient and gracious and growing up with them I never doubted for a minute that they had my best interest at heart since they gave you so much attention as a kid is that why they ignore you now <laughs> is that why they never call or stop by they will start returning my calls <laughs> sooner or later be, be patient that's right oh man I, I know you see your folks often and um where are your siblings tell us about your siblings so my oldest brother he recently moved to Arkansas why? <laughs> <laughs> Apparently his wife lives there. Oh, or her okay. family's from there. <laughs> yeah, oh, the old family. Yeah. Yeah, I've yeah. got an older brother. Uh, my oldest brother is Stephen. Uh, my brother David, he's here in Ottawa. He's a chiropractor. Yeah. And then my sister Debbie lives in Pennsylvania. Wow. Did your siblings ever beat you up when you were a little kid? They got in trouble for beating me up. See, see. I did get special treatment, and I'll be honest, I did milk that just a little bit. <laughs> oh, yeah. You got to milk that. That's right. When you're sick, I mean, come on, you're a kid. You don't, you don't get it. So, uh, yeah, but I would, I would expect it. It's, it's good they want to treat you like you were normal, right? There was nothing different about you to them. You're just a kid who got sick once in a while. Yeah. And it's interesting. Um, my brother, <clears throat> there was a period when I was younger where jealousy had set in. Yeah. And my parents did something I didn't understand at the time. But when I was eight and I had surgery, they flew him across the country to spend a week with me in hospital to help take care of me. Nice. And that changed his perspective mm. on what I went through. When he saw that it wasn't all fun and games and you're getting, you know, ice cream and 
all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. You see somebody suffering like that and to see, you know, what happens, see those scars on your chest fresh and anew, that's tough. Mm -hmm. Wow. Is there anything harder that you think you could have to endure? Absolutely. Um, there's a story I came across. There was one night I was feeling a little bit sorry for myself in hospital. And I started talking to another patient and his name was Bill. Bill's nose was completely frostbitten and his hands mm. were frostbitten. Mm. Bill had suffered a heart attack. He had gone outside in the middle of winter to get something in his truck. While he's outside, he has a heart attack oh. and he's in the snow overnight. Oh. The only reason Bill is alive is because the snow slowed his heart rate down and the oh. cold slowed his heart rate down and he lived. But at the cost, but, cost of no nose and but Bill fingers. was the happiest guy I've ever met. Wow. He was he was so grateful, happy to be alive despite the injuries and that taught me something about look things can always be worse. Be grateful for what you have. Yeah. Yeah, that, and that's the thing. As Christians, sometimes we don't look at the right things. We, you know, we zero in on that one little thing or the one hardship, and we think I'm the only person. How many, how many kids did you meet in the hospital that had similar surgeries to yours? A lot of them were very similar to mine. Growing up, I had a friend in hospital. I went to visit him. The next day, I came back. The room was empty. And he had passed away in surgery. Oh, His surgery was identical to mine, but for whatever reason, right. he, he didn't make it. Oh, man. That's got to be tough. Mm -hmm. That's got to be tough. What would you say to people that have children that are having to go through something like this? From a, from a child's perspective, what, what did your mom and dad do for you, or your siblings do for you that you think was a help? My parents answered the questions that I had not the questions they had. Oh. And what I mean by that is, if I asked a question, they would answer it plainly and on the level that I was asking it. So at eight years old, could mm. I die? Yes, there's a possibility. They didn't hide any truth from me, right. but they didn't answer adult questions. They answered mm. the questions of a child. Mm. And I thought that was really intelligent. Yeah, that's really good. That'd be a hard question to answer for a child. Oh, man. And their faith comes through in that, right? Yeah. And you know, it's to, to me, it's kind of like Abraham and Isaac. I and the lad will come again to you. Mm -hmm. We'll go and come again. We're coming back. You had that much faith. And I think your parents had that much faith that, you know, if God wants to take our child, it'd be devastating, but that'd be okay. Yeah. But, you know, our desire is, you know, we want our children. We want them to live. And how happy they must be that you've lived this many years and... And had that life. That's, that's so exciting to me. And I, I have kids, and my kids are grown. And the only hospital visit we had, my little Allison got um, uh, E. coli, and she almost died. We didn't know it. I didn't know how sick she was. She laid on the floor, almost lifeless. And we took her to the hospital. They isolated her because she was so contagious. And, you know, I just thought she's just sick. And man, when I realized, I cried. I thought, oh man, if I ever lost her, she's such a sweet girl. And here she is, a mother today of two little boys. And I think, oh my goodness. And then I start thinking of my grandkids. Mm -hmm. And as much as I love my kids, those grandkids, and, <laughs> and you don't know this yet, you will. And you know, like having kids, you understand. When you have grandkids, you're going to know there's something more about that. And every day, my prayer is, God, if they would have to have anything, give it to me. 
I'll, I'll endure anything. Take me. I'll have the surgery. I'll have the accident, whatever. Please don't let them go through that. And that's the prayer of every parent, I think. But obviously, this whole body is made of clay. And as amazing as it is, sometimes it's just not right. Mm -hmm. And that takes a repair. Can you think of anything that you wish hadn't happened in, in those times? That's a tough question to it's, answer. It's I've had somebody ask me, would you ever have wished life without heart surgery? Mm. And I, I say a resounding no, because I would not know God. I would not see what he's done in my life had I not been through these things. So the, I think if I hadn't had this, all the lessons that come from learning this, everything that my parents have learned from this, everything that my kids have witnessed in me going through and what they've learned, mm. all of that would be gone. Yeah. Kind of like Jesus dying on the cross. Exactly. Father, if it's your will, but mm -hmm. if not, and he went through all that suffering and pain for us because he knew what it was going to do for us. Mm -hmm. It's an amazing, amazing comparison. Um, you've done some news uh, appearances, have you not? You've done a couple different uh, news appearances here in Canada. You've done any in the States or just Canada? Um, I've done quite a few podcasts. So I've done, um, I was on CTV News a few years ago. Okay. Uh, just did a podcast from Hong Kong. Wow. And I've done one from Switzerland as well. Wow. And now the pinnacle. The pinnacle. Tim Talks. Tim Talks in the nursery breastfeeding In the nursery, room. <laughs> nursing room. <laughs> now we do have a broad audience. So you'll be heard in not only Canada, the United States, but some African nations. Japan is our third largest listening audience. Wow. Um, oh yeah, it's pretty big. Um, we don't really know how many people it is, but it's number three. So we know we have a lot in Canada, the United States. So somewhere in there, and we've asked them to contact us, and they haven't. So I don't know if they don't understand. They just like the laughing, or what. <laughs> but um, so we'll try to get your story out a little more. CTV is a news, um, uh, not channel. It's a broadcasting broadcasting press, network. Broadcasting yeah, network. yeah, that's right. Here in Canada, and. Um, yeah. Tell, tell folks again the name of your book and how they, how they can get that. So my book, once again, it's called Scar Tissue by me, Danny Covey. It's available on my website, dannycovey.com. That's D-A-N-N-Y-C-O-V-E-Y.com. Or you can get it through amazon.com or amazon.ca. Amen. Awesome. Um, would you be available for speaking engagements? I've actually done a few speaking engagements Good. and um, I, this, this boggles my mind. And this is part of the doors that God's open, that God opens. <laughs> I've been asked to be a um, commencement speaker at a college in May. Really? Yeah. What college? Uh, it's a small private college in Louisiana called Blue Cliff College. Oh, that's cool. That's neat. Awesome. Yeah. I, I think this would be an awesome topic for, People that have had surgeries, facing surgeries, maybe children that have had to go through surgeries, mm -hmm. um, just just to hear from somebody who's already done it. And you've heard uh, his great joy and testimony and to be able to share that with others. And I'm so glad that we're able to do this. Um, let me ask you, what's probably the greatest lesson you've learned through this? God is with you in the suffering. I, I believe suffering is a human universal. Everybody to some degree will suffer. All of us will go through some kind of hardship. 
And you don't have to ask, where is God? He is right there with you in the pain, in the difficulty, with you, encouraging you along the way. Yeah. How much pain are you in when you come out of those surgeries? Obviously, they help with medication. Well, morphine helps a lot. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, they, they've said if you're in pain, you know, you shouldn't be. But it is painful, and um, it's a long recovery. It can yeah. be difficult. So um, that's a hard question to answer because I've always had that. Uh, it's, yeah. it's In some ways, when somebody says heart surgery, okay, I know it's going to be like this and this and this and this. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I can't even imagine. I, I'm right now experiencing in my body what I think you would feel when you go through it. They're cracking my ribs right now, and I'm I'm crying, and then they're cutting my skin, and I'm I'm crying. I I can't even imagine. Of course, you're out. You're out for that. But still, yeah. then when you wake up, that's already that's been done, and your body knows it. Yeah. My oh. my. I have I have two questions that I always ask when I wake up from surgery. What day is it? Hmm. And how did it go? Wow. 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 Have you had any experience, you know, people always talk about near-death experiences or seeing a light or hearing voices or seeing the Lord or have you had anything like that? I feel like if anybody should have, I should have. Yeah, right. But to date, no. I've had one strange experience, but I wouldn't classify it as a a near-death experience. Uh, During one of my surgeries, I felt picking at my chest and I could hear the doctors talking. Oh my goodness. Couldn't see anything. But uh, I remember this very distinctly. I asked them about it after I, you know, yeah. after I woke up and they said, no, no, that can't happen. Well, I'd done some research and yeah. it absolutely can happen. Yeah. It does happen more often than it should. Did you, do you know what they said? Could you understand what they were saying? Or you just heard their voices? They were arguing really? about something. I don't remember the details. Oh, wow. Well, I've had the privilege of going in on a surgery. I have a, a friend who's a surgeon in the, the States. It wasn't anything as good as open heart surgery. It was, you know, it was it was surgery, and they put a guy out. So, um, but I did that because I wanted to be able to tell people what's going to happen, and, and for somebody maybe in in your church, a small child's going to have surgery. You're able to go to them and say, "Now listen, here's what's going to happen," and that, mm-hmm. I think that's got to give some peace, yes. and that's got to give some assurance, and especially when you say, "Hey guys, I've done this eight times, and I'm still here," mm-hmm. and the only Really difficult thing is you lost your hair. <laughs> you got a great beard. It's coming back. It's coming back. <laughs> One day it's One coming back. One more surgery, it's coming back. I don't think it's coming back. <laughs> well, fingers crossed. When you got a head that beautiful, though, you don't want to cover it up with hair. No, I do I do say this, though. Uh, to anybody that has surgery or you're anxious about surgery or you're concerned, I always take my cues from the doctors. If they're not panicked and concerned, right. I don't need to be concerned. And then the other thing is no news. Is good, good news. news. That's right. If they're not calling, you're okay. Yes. I've said the same thing when I'm on an airplane. You know, the, the stewardess comes on, ladies and gentlemen, we've got a small problem. If they're not screaming, I think we can handle this, right? <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, it can be a little scary at times. Um, what would you say is, talk about the greatest lesson. What's the worst lesson you think you've had to learn? Is there a worse lesson? Patience. Yeah. No, I don't mean being a patient. I mean yeah. waiting on God. There was there was one night um I was walking uh in a lot of pain. I was slumped over, it hurt to stand, and the doctor said you gotta exercise every day. So I was doing it at the time about a five minute walk. And I'm feeling sorry for myself and on cue it starts raining. 
And I thought, I just want to be past this. But you can't. It's a process. Right. And right. it's just walking through those difficult times. Yeah. Wow. It's amazing. If, um, if you could give advice to a doctor who's doing this on a regular basis, it's got to become somewhat routine, I would think. Mm-hmm. What, what advice would you give her? Or maybe give us, some, give us that and then give us some stories of some doctors that really helped you and, and what they did. So I had a doctor, um, a surgeon, Dr. Lee Benson. He's world famous. At, he was at SickKids Hospital in Toronto. He would, his goal was not just to relay information. He took the time to connect with the kids and make them feel seen and acknowledged. And then he would answer the questions. He was very warm and relatable. So mm-hmm. it's not just about passing cold facts to people. Right. It's about putting their mind at ease, connecting with people, because this is a traumatizing thing. Yeah, it's, it's bedside manner. Absolutely. And I think as a pastor, I, I think we need to listen to that as pastors. I think sometimes we have people come in and counsel and we just give them the Bible. We just give them the verses. And we expect them to go, okay, you got the scripture now, you're good to go. And just listening sometimes to people, letting people ask those questions and listening for what they're really asking, I think is very important. Anything that a doctor's done that you'd say, man, don't ever do that? Or a nurse. Um, Or a nurse. uh, I've had some doctors be very abrupt and curt and... uh, very quick and dismissive of you know what you're what you're telling them Mm. but i um and that's been the rare exception i did have one doctor and i still remember this to this day not quite answering your question but all right uh the night before my surgery i had a cardiologist come in and he said are you danny and i said yes and he said i understand your father's a pastor and i said yes he says i'm a christian wow he said i would like to pray with you before you have surgery oh that's awesome and so I don't know who this man is. He came into our room. We, we prayed. He prayed over me. Wow. And uh, then he was gone. Wow. And I think that's amazing that somebody, again, that, yeah. you talk about bedside manner. Yeah. And, and that doesn't happen a lot here in Canada. No. I mean, they can get in big trouble for doing that kind of stuff sometimes. When my father-in-law was in the hospital with cancer, um, we had a nurse that showed up. And I will never forget him. He was amazing. And... He came in and did some procedures on my father-in-law that changed his prognosis, changed his comfort, changed his life. And his name was Mark. And Mark came in and amazing. And then one day he just wasn't there. Mm-hmm. And we said, where's Mark? And they said, Mark who? <laughs> and we said, Mark the nurse. We don't know what you're talking about. And I went back several weeks later and they said, yeah, we don't have a Mark here. Wow. And I don't know what the deal was, but... He was a gift from God, and I do know uh, another nurse that knew him and thought maybe he'd gone to another hospital. But it was amazing, and he was just—he was so kind. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to tell—I can't say enough for nurses. And you know, mm-hmm. we could tell probably more stories about the nurses because they spend more time with you. Yeah. Um, but nurses, and we have a lot to listen. God bless you, yeah. and thank you for making a difference in a child's life, in an adult's life. And many times they're the ones who calm the fears. They're the ones that have to give the soothing. Um, Many of them are more mother-like than they are (laughs) nurse-like. And praise the Lord for that. Can you think of a nurse in particular that maybe did something Um, special? I had some very special nurses at SickKids Hospital when I was younger. They were very good to me. But I had a roommate 
who was terrified of everything, and he had this stuffed cat. And so whatever the nurses did to him, they had to do to the cat first. Oh, right. And they did it. Wow. To put him at ease, yeah. to be patient with him. Okay, Kitty's going to get his injection. Kitty's going to have his heart checked. Okay, now it's your turn. And they did that. Now we're going to cut Kitty and pull all of his stuffing out. <laughs> but we're going to put it back and sew him up. <laughs> I don't think that happened. They, they spared him that part. They spared him that. Wow, amazing. One more time, tell folks where they can get your book. And uh, folks, I'm telling you, get this, read it. It'll help you. Yeah, so my book is called Scar Tissue. It's available on my website. My website is dannycovey.com, and that's D-A-N-N-Y-C-O-V-E-Y.com. There's a button right on the homepage you can click to order, or if you prefer, you can order order it on amazon.com or amazon.ca. You need to check that out today. This is Tim Talks, and uh, Danny, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. I'm glad we're taking the time. We'll be back on Friday to ask some more questions. And uh, again, go to that website, check it out. Maybe not for you. Get a copy for someone else who's going through some difficulty or they've gone through this and they're struggling. And I will tell you this, that if, um, is there contact information on your website for you directly? 100%. 100%. Okay. You can't miss it. Okay. So if you want to call Danny, if you want to you know, put somebody in touch with him, I'm sure he'd be happy to do that. You can contact me as well, and I'll help you do that. So, Brother Covey, thank you once again. God bless you. This is Tim Talks. We'll be back again on Friday with Brother Danny Covey, who has written a great book, Scar Tissue, and uh, his experience of having eight open-heart surgeries. This is Tim Talk. Have a great day. We'll be back on Friday. You've been listening to Tim Talks, taking interest in ministry, with new podcasts added each Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. To learn more about your hosts, Dr. Al Stone and Pastor Dan Wolven, you can visit us at timtalks.com. That's T-I-I-M talks.com.